world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. This week, Diane answers listener emails from Matsumoto, Japan and Naperville, Illinois on the challenges of finding a compassionate and elderwise doctor. Plus, how primary caregivers can use the holidays to their advantage. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. I hope you listened to last week's show with um, personal security expert Anthony Calandro. It was a great show. He had great tips for keeping your parents safe in their home or outside of their home shopping, etc. And of course, you know, when we were finished with the show, we were talking and he came up with, you know, all these other things. Oh, I have more and more and more. So I definitely will be having him back on the show. Um, he's a great source of knowledge. And I want to welcome all of our listeners in Japan. Welcome. Japan is the second largest listener base in the world outside of the United States. So welcome all you listeners. And as a matter of fact, I got an email this week from Hannah Ito from Matsumoto, Japan. Excuse me for my pronunciation. I hope I pronounced that right. Dear Diane, we are faced with the same problems in Japan as you have in the U.S., there are a limited number of physicians who know how to care for our el older population. You have a heart for our elders. Any suggestions? Wow. Well, um, you do have to have a heart for the elderly, uh, first of all. But I think that, um, especially here, you know, in the U.S., which is what I'm most familiar with, but the training, um, we don't have the right training to uh, take care of our elderly. And, you know, all over the world, you know, elderly, as well as in Japan, the elderly population is increasing. You know, people are living longer. So what happens is, I think, um, because of not having the right training or the heart you know, for the elderly, we have this implicit bias in healthcare, in any, it could be in any profession. Um, we have that automatic association of the elderly with their stereotypes about them. So despite well-intentioned doctors, nurses, you know, any kind of professional, providers have this automatic association that influences their behavior and their judgment. So when doctors or nurses are faced with the need to make a judgment, a complicated judgment quickly and without insufficient or imperfect information, they rely on assumptions they associate with patients of that social category, the elderly, to fill in the gaps with information that may be relevant to their diagnosis and treatment. So the doctors are at risk for relying on 
these stereotypes or assumptions to make decisions when when they're trying to be objective there's no malice in it it's just that, it's just that that's what they're relying on they're they're so, social stereotypes so what happens is it can distort their perceptions and their treatments so we rely on doctor's philosophy and approach in how they're dealing with the elderly. Many medical schools don't even include geriat geriatrics as required courses. Geriatric curriculum in the U.S. is an elective in schools that even offer it. So we need geriatric educators. We need geriatric medical researchers. In Great Britain, every medical school has a department of geriatrics. We don't have that here. And I believe, um, Hannah, in Japan, um, many of your medical schools do as well have departments of geriatrics. And I'm, I apologize, Hannah, I failed to mention that you also are a physician. Um, so here we need to have and all over the world, probably, we need to have um, curriculum in geriatric medicine. And we have to make it more attractive financially to uh, people in medical school. The training has to be, it has to be specific and focused on the unique details about a person instead of the social category. So, which is tough because that means you have to spend a lot of time with that patient. We have to consider, you know, the unique perspective and experience of the patient. I know a lot of medical schools now um, in the U.S. are having, are teaching empathy <laughs> as part of their curriculum. I don't know. That's I, I think that's kind of hard to teach, but I can see, you know, you have to focus on the individual. So, and if you focus on the individual, you focus on that person's uh, history, that person's life, where they are now. If you take the time to get to know them, then I think you are more likely to show empathy. So I guess it can be taught in that way. Um, we have to have payments that don't penalize physicians for spending too much time with patients. I know in England, the reimbursement of a general practitioner increases with the average age of a patient of their patient base. So the elderly require more time. So they're, um, they, they get more money for treating the elderly here. We're, we're, the physicians are rewarded with procedure. Time is penalized. So, you know, you hear me talk about taking your parent to a geriatrician. And I know there are geriatricians um, in Japan as well. Um, there are not a lot of geriatricians anywhere. But, you know, you'll hear me talk about them because they have that specific training. They're going to know, you know, how the elderly's body works, how their mind works, what signs and symptoms m may mean where they don't mean that for someone younger. You know, if you think that the pro your dad or mom's primary care doctor understands, you know, the multiple chronic conditions or the medications, etc., how the body functions, it, it's not true in all cases. So without that formal and reinforce training necessary to recognize, you know, the specific needs of our parents. They may live a life that 
their quality of life is not all that it can be, or it's possibly worse. You know, they could possibly, they'll be misdiagnosed and they could die. You know, that, that is a, is a real, uh, occurrence that happens, you know, by dismissing, um, patients deepening confusion or their muscle weakness or their abnormal gait, their unsteadiness as normal signs of aging, you know, instead of these behaviors being looked at as a sign of possibly depression, poorly maintained feet and toenails, not eating properly, urinary tract infections, these are treatable problems, but if not recognized, therein lies you know, a big problem. So you, that's why you always hear me, you know, talk about taking your parents to geriatricians. I hope I answered that for you, Hannah. Um, I know, I know, uh, in Japan, your elderly population everywhere, uh, elderly is classified as 65 years and over, which I think is a terrible classification. And I know in Japan, you, your, um, you have looked at that, your population has looked at that and is saying that um, 74 years, maybe 65 to 74 is pre, uh, pre-elderly, and then 75 and on is elderly population. Your, um, you know, your 65 to 74 and even 75, your um, population is more active and they're more um, involved with family and they're mo- more likely to live with multi-generational households where that's how it used to be here, you know, in the U.S. That's how I grew up in a multi-generational household. And the younger generations took care of the older generations. We don't see that as much in the U.S. P- kids move away and, um, you know, we see more uh, elderly entering into a nursing home where you don't see that as much in Japan. So, um, you know, different cultures, the elderly are more revered in, in Japan than they are here. So... Uh, even, you know, I, I look into even companies developing products for our parents. You know, who's doing the marketing? Who's doing the research? And a lot of companies, it's younger people. How can they assume to know what an 80-year-old needs in a product? How can they wrap their head around what being 80 is like? They can't. So a lot of companies would be smart to include 80-year-olds in their planning, in their developing, in their marketing of a product. They'd be smart to hire them, use them as volunteers. You know, they'd be happy to do that. That It'd be great for a company as well as for, you know, our mom and dads. We talk about that, them working, them volunteering. And it's true. How do we know, you know, what they need, what they can use? So I hope I've answered that question for you. Um, Also, I wanted to talk to you, you know, this is uh, the holidays. And a lot of times, you know, we're in the holiday season and children will visit their parents and maybe they haven't seen their parents for a long time. You know, they've talked to them, but they've you know, haven't seen them. And sometimes when you go to visit them, you notice, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you'll notice certain things and everything you read about on the elderly, you know, um, 
every website, every blog, everybody's suggesting every article, you know, look for certain signs, you know, bills piling up, or their house isn't as clean as it used to, or, you know, maybe they're having trouble moving, trouble getting out of a chair, they're a little bit more confused. And of course, you know, those are, are definite signs that there's some kind of deterioration and that maybe you do need to, you know, take them to a geriatrician or um, if you have a brother or sister in the area who maybe is with them all the time. I know for me, you know, um, I know uh, there's a, a lot of families who have siblings who say, well, you know, everything is always left to one. There's always one who maybe remains in the area or one maybe is in the same state or one who sees your parents more than others. Maybe the other siblings are out of state and they can't come. So um, what I do when my siblings come to visit, and recently my sibling, siblings did come to visit, and it's great because they, my sister stayed, you know, for about two weeks. My brother was here for about a week. And, you know, sometimes we feel bad that we're the one who's here and we're the one who maybe has to do everything or run or do things. But I've learned one thing when my siblings do come to visit and they spend a week or two weeks, of course, they're not going to see everything or know everything and your parents may be on their best behavior. And if it's like my mom, she's cooking up, you know, cooking up a storm, you know, and then she kind of, kind of relaxes afterward and, and kind of crashes afterward. But when we come back, I'll, I'll tell you something, a new perspective on how we can, how we can feel good about our siblings that come and visit maybe once a year or twice a year. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000 pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Now, thanks to you, 
the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Lipstick Bodyguard makes a great stocking stuffer for um, your 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 children, your grandchildren, uh, uh, or a great Christmas gift. Unfortunately, um, it can't be sold uh, outside of the country, but it can be sold in the U.S., and it's a great uh, personal defense item to have. Uh, I carry one. Um, great gift if you need a little stocking stuffer for someone. So... I was talking about when your siblings come, you know, if they're not in the area and they come to visit once a year, twice a year, whenever, um, you know, here's a good thing to feel about. We, we, we sometimes feel bad that we're the only one here and we have to make all the decisions. And here's a thing to feel good about that your siblings can come, uh, and they only maybe can come once or twice a year. So let's just reverse it a little. And this is what I try to, to do, you know, that my brother was here for a week. My sister was here for two weeks and I kind of stay away. I mean, of course I, uh, we did, we did see each other and spend some time together as a family, which, which is great because we don't have the opportunity to do that where we're all together. But then, you know, during the week, um, I kind of stay away and my brother's there, my sister's there. And then I ask them when they leave and they go home, I say, so what do you think? What have you noticed? You know, how do you think about, you know, mom doing this or dad doing this? Did you notice anything? Or what do you, what, what do you feel? And I can, you know, because they haven't been there and because they're not there all the time and don't see them or talk to them as much as I do, you know, sometimes they notice things that I don't notice or I didn't notice. So that's something that is a plus, that you have eyes and ears of someone who, honestly, you know, if you're not living with your parent, but you're there all the time, you're still not living with them. And they lived with them maybe for a week or for two. So they may notice things or your parents might have relaxed or might have been into their routine. And so your siblings might have noticed something that you do, you don't or you, do, you didn't. So um, that's always a good thing to do. And you feel kind of better about it because they can be your eyes and ears for a short period of time. Also, you know, I think about it and... I think that maybe part of us feeling bad, you know, that we might be the only one here or we might have to do everything or make the decisions is because, you know, we're scared. You know, we're scared that, okay, I am the only one here and I have to make that decision or I may have to make a quick decision or I may have to, you know, decide on certain things and am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right decision? So that I think sometimes, you know, it's not so much that we're the only one here, but maybe we're afraid. Are we doing the right thing or are we making the decision? Now, when my brother and sister are here and hear something too, I do try to talk to them. Not that I'm trying to hide anything from my parents, but I try to talk to them away from my parents if I'm talking to them while they're here about something, just to, you know, gauge something or if they mention something to me. And then, you know, we try to, I try to talk to them about it while they are here. And not to say that all the decisions are left up to me because I can always call them and I'm sure you can always call your brother or sister. But a lot of times, you know, they defer to me because I'm the one who's 
I'm the one who's here. Of course, my sister <laughs> defers to me because I'm the expert and that's what I do all the time. My sister will say, hey, you do it, you know, you know, I totally leave it up to you. My brother will think about, you know, he's a male, so he's going to think about, okay, well, I'm going to put my two cents in <laughs> whether he just sees me as, you know, his sister. Sometimes he doesn't see me as the professional I am and that could happen. But um, so it kind of, if you kind of, you know, think about it in that way, maybe you won't feel so bad and maybe they'll give you something, some kind of information that's useful to you and useful to your parents. I usually will ask them things though, away from my parents, because I don't want them to say something that maybe is impossible, is something that isn't possible, you know, or we want to discuss it together so that maybe if th that situation happens, I can say, okay, yeah, we have a plan. Um, if you ever watch that movie, uh, Home for the Holidays, um, you know, I watched it over uh, last weekend and it kind of it's it, it has some funny parts to it about, you know, there's three siblings. And of course, there's one here. You know, there's one who is is with her parents all the time and takes care of their medicine and reminds them to do this and eat right and, you know, does everything. And then there's two that don't live in the area and they come home for the holidays. But anyway, if you watch it, there are some, you know, funny moments in it and it's life. It's what happens in life. So on to another email. I have a, an email from Lynn from Naperville, Illinois. I was visiting my mom and dad last week and my mom's Alzheimer's is getting worse. Dad tells me there's nothing the doctors can do. They waited too long is what he was told. But, that, but he was told that three years ago. Shouldn't he take her to another doctor? I also noticed that my mom moans a lot. And when I listened to your show on dementia, you had mentioned that that could be a sign of something wrong. How can I get him to take her to a doctor? Because he's not sleeping, you know, because mom is moaning at night. Well, yes, definitely. She needs to see a geriatrician. You know, if your mom saw a doctor three years ago, you know, I, I don't even know what type of doctor she saw. It could have been her primary care doctor. And three years ago is a lifetime, you know, when it comes to Alzheimer's disease. I don't know, you know, where your mom is. I don't know if she lives in Illinois with you or you, you were visiting. Um, but you can always contact me and I can refer you to a geriatrician in her area. Um, I, I, if you can, I would suggest, you know, you go with your dad. You know, and that might be one of the reasons he doesn't want to take her to a doctor it's tough you know taking an Alzheimer's patient to a physician number one you know maybe um, if she's walking but you know uh, he may have a problem getting her in the car getting her into the doc you know to the doctor um, you know so that it'd be great if you can go it'd be great to say to him listen you know I, I have a doctor let's take her let's see you know and dad you took her three years ago um, we want to take her to someone who specializes in Alzheimer's you know we don't know what could happen um, if she's moaning that could be a sign that something's wrong you know she could have a urinary tract infection she could have a toothache we don't know you know if 
if you heard, you know, if you know anything about a dementia patient, if you've heard, you know, um, the show on dementia, that's, you know, a form of expression. Sometimes they moan when something is wrong, and that's the only way they can express to us, you know, what's going on. We don't know exactly what's wrong, so you want to have them checked out. Um, and you could say to dad, listen, let's just go. I can t go with you. We can go. We can take her. And if you don't like what the doctor says, you know, then we don't have to go back anymore. But let's just try, you know, um, maybe there is nothing they can do for the uh, progression of the Alzheimer's. Maybe there is. Maybe there's something, uh, you know, something they can give her. You want to see what other medication she's on. Maybe there's something, you know, they can, the, obviously she's moaning. Maybe there's, you know, something wrong. They might put, check her urine. They may say, maybe it's her teeth. You know, there's ways that they can try to find out what's wrong. There may be something they can give her, you know, to sleep so that dad can get rest. There may be some kind of suggestion. There's so many uh, advances in Alzheimer's. So you definitely, yes, um, please contact me and I'd be happy to suggest a geriatrician in your parents' area or in your area, you know, depending on uh, where you want to go. I know I tell you at the end of the show, but uh, you can reach me through my website, dianeberardi.com, and you can reach me through Facebook. So uh, please, you know, just email me and I'll be happy to help you in any way I can. So here's an interesting study I came across. If you're worried about an increase in fall risks associated with the winter months here in the Northeast, preliminary results of a study suggest otherwise. Most falls occur during warm months and a greater number of the falls happen indoors rather than outdoors, according to research at the Anesthesiology Annual Meeting in 2017. So we have to focus on conditions present throughout the year and, most important, uh, mitigate the indoor risks. So this, in, a, in the study, more than 55% of hip fractures occurred during the warm months, and the majority... 76% occurred indoors. Of the outdoor fractures, 60% occurred during the warm months. And for the fractures occurring inside, more than 56% happened during the warm months. And tripping over an obstacle is the most common reason for both indoor and outdoor fractures. The most common Item indoors, throw rugs. Throw those throw rugs away. I know, by my mother and father, she keeps putting those throw rugs out, and I keep taking them up and saying, don't put these throw rugs down. I guess I have to throw them away. Uh, the second um, reason for falling indoors, believe it or not, is falling out of bed. Outdoors, after falling over an item, tripping over an obstacle, is being struck by or falling from a vehicle or falling on or down stairs. I can see that steps, really critical, have a banister, you know, and use, I know with my, use your cane, put the lights on. Falling from a vehicle, um, I had a, a client who she was taking her dad to um, the doctor and he 
she was getting him out of the car and he just kind of tripped getting out of the seat I guess on the lip of the bottom you know of the car coming out and he fell on top of her and they both broke a leg believe it or not so you know these are things that can happen so this was just an interesting study I thought because we all think in the northeast okay you know snow and ice um which are hazards as well. And if you live in the Northeast and your parents are in a retirement community, I know in the area that I live in, you, they're supposed to plow the streets and, you know, shovel the snow and everything first. But a lot of times they don't do it first. I think because they think, well, the people are elderly, where are they going? But they don't realize that ambulances have to get in, <laughs> police cars, things like that. But anyway, yeah, we have to worry about snow and ice. But this was definitely an interesting study. And now for my survival tip of the week. So, uh, you know, the holidays are here, and what do we do? We always look to go home and have the comfort foods that, you know, we love. They make us feel good. So, make make a comfort food with your mom or dad make it for your family or make it for yourself and eat it you'll feel better don't worry about the calories january comes quick enough so i hope this week's show was helpful to you if you know someone who would be helped by it please tell them about it they can subscribe to the show using itunes you can find links to the topics we just talked about in the show notes for today's episode, episode 35 at parentsarehardtoraise.org. Please email me with anything you're struggling with, and I'll try my best to include it in a future show. Email me at diane at parentsarehardtoraise.org. You can reach me through my website, dianeberardi.com. You can follow me on Facebook at Parents Are Hard to Raise, and I tweet at Jersey Elder Care. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, LLC, New York, New York, under License of Broadcast Music, Incorporated. Thank you so much for listening. See you again next week.